Welcome to CII's podcast, The Voice of Corporate Governance. While this podcast is open to the public, the majority of our work is only accessible to current CII member organizations. If you would like information on becoming a member of CII, please visit our website at cii.org or contact our Director of Membership, Melissa Fader, with her email, melissa at cii.org. Thank you for listening and enjoy the episode. Welcome, everyone. This is a Council of Institutional Investors educational podcast. I'm Jeff Mahoney, General Counsel of CII. I'm here today with Professors Stephen Bovey and Michael C. Withers from the Department of Management at Texas A&M University, and Professor Scott D. Graffin from the Department of Management at the University of Georgia. These three professors, together with Professor Kevin G. Corley of Arizona State University, are the co-authors of a recent research article entitled Corporate Directors' Implicit Theories of the Roles and Duties of Boards. The article was recently published in Strategic Management Journal. Thank you, professors, for speaking with us today. Thanks for having us. us. So, Professor Bovey, let me start with you. What motivated the four of you to write a research paper about how directors view their work on boards? Sure. Well, there are really two main factors that motivated our interest in this topic. First, there's a tremendous amount of academic research on boards and corporate governance, and virtually all of that research uses the perspective of agency theory, which argues that the role of the board is to monitor and watch over managers. And that perspective is really prevalent in both um, academic circles and also practitioner circles. It's really enshrined in most corporate governance law. However, virtually none of this research has talked to directors about how they view their jobs. And so that, that was part of our motivation is whether directors really viewed their jobs the same way that agency theory says that they should. And second, we were motivated by the fact that whenever things go wrong with public firms, outsiders tend to blame the board for being asleep at the wheel or not doing their jobs or failing to really do what they were supposed to do. And yet, in my experiences with talking to directors, I find them almost uniformly engaged and interested in their board service. So there seemed to be some tension between how directors are perceived as being lax or asleep at the wheel in practice and my experience with talking to directors. And so I wondered if whether some of that um, gap seemed occurs because of maybe a gap between directors' view of what they can do and what they are supposed to do. I had the feeling that maybe we were blaming them for doing things or not doing things that they couldn't really do or maybe that they didn't really want to do. And that really motivated us to go out and talk to directors and see how they view the role of boards and and, and how that shapes what they try to do. Professor Graffin, let me draw you into the discussion here. As you're aware, and as Professor Bobby just indicated, a core principle of corporate governance is that share owners should have the right to elect directors to oversee management on their behalf. So how does that core principle align with how the directors you and your colleagues interviewed view their responsibilities as corporate board members? Uh the short answer is not very well, but as an academic, I, I don't give short answers. So what I'm going to say is that 
typically when you think about boards of directors, Steve alluded to something called agency theory. That's an academic theory that suggests that shareholders elect board members to represent their interests. And these board members are thought to be the primary line of defense against either managerial malfeasance, such as exploiting uh, firm resources for themselves, or just bad strategies, right? So the, this theory suggests that board members engage in something that academics call decision control. And decision control involves the idea that CEOs will come to a board meeting, they'll have a list of strategic initiatives, acquisitions, R&D, whatever it is. And the board members, the CEO will present those to the board members and the board members will approve some of those things and they'll vote down some of these things. That's decision control. They, they ultimately approve what the CEO does or does not engage in, in terms of strategic actions. And the idea is that not only will they vote down bad proposals, but CEOs will be less likely to offer bad proposals because they know board members are in this position as representing shareholders and trying to protect shareholder value. And that's kind of, that was kind of the conception coming into the study. And what we found when we spoke with 50 current and former directors and CEOs is that it doesn't align at all with what directors actually do. And it's not that board members aren't engaged. It's not that they're not prepared. We found, as a rule, directors are very engaged with CEOs. They're very prepared for meetings. But when we asked them about this decision control, they said two things. One, we don't really try to do that. And two, even if we wanted to do that, we're not sure we can. So in terms of not wanting to do that, uh, what they essentially said to us was that they can't understand why they would be in a better position than a CEO and his or her top management team to put together strategic plans, right? The CEO has all the information, all the data, the teams, the time, the focus to put together the best plan for the firm. And boards would, would ask us, how could we possibly know what's better than the CEO when it comes to the strategic direction of a firm? And so they said, one, they, they don't think they can make it happen. And two, uh, they wouldn't even try because one thing they told us was that, you know, our primary fiduciary duty is to make sure the firm is run well. And they said they can't really do that if they're going to vote down half of a CEO's proposals. They said, if we don't let a CEO implement his or her plan, how could we possibly know how talented or untalented they are in terms of their quality as CEO? We need to let them enact their plan. So what they tend to do is when a CEO presents his or her plan to the board, they'll engage in a strategic partnership with that CEO to try to best implement that plan. They'll, they'll leverage their own experience, their know-how, and they'll just try to improve the plan that the CEO wants to enact. And they said they, they have to trust their CEO to do the right thing. Otherwise, right, the whole board relationship falls apart. But they also said the second they don't trust that CEO anymore, that's when they fire them. And right, because they've allowed them to implement their plan. They can see it's not working. Okay, now it's time to move on. So it's not that there's no monitoring, and it's not that directors aren't prepared for meetings. It's just that it's a very, very different sort of interaction than conceptualized in agency theory. Thank you for being a listener of CII's The Voice of Corporate Governance podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, you may also be interested in our third annual Corporate Governance Bootcamp program. Whether you are new to corporate governance or are looking for a deep dive in everything governance related, join us in partnership with NYU School of Law's Institute for Corporate Governance and Finance as we tackle the issues virtually on November 17th to 19th. To learn more and see our course curriculum, please go to our website at cii.org. Now back to the show. 
So, professors, your article suggests uh, that your research findings have implications for several corporate governance best practices. The one corporate governance best practice referenced in your paper is the practice of boards conducting executive sessions. So, Professor Withers, what are the implications of your research findings with respect to board executive sessions? And this is an interesting topic, in part because we don't have a lot of academic research on executive sessions. But we found in, in talking with the executives and directors that we interviewed, it can be an important tool for overall board effectiveness when used purposefully and strategically. These sessions help shape interactions between the outside directors, as well as between the overall board and CEO. They also allow the board to address sensitive governance matters, which is really critical in, in this context. And so we actually found in our interviews that there is some variance in how they're used. In most cases, and this is often reflected in board charters, they involve only the independent directors or the non-management directors. And for those sessions, directors can raise important concerns about the organization or executive team. In other cases, though, they might also involve not just the independent directors, but also the executive team or maybe specifically the CEO. Uh, for those sessions, we actually had one CEO explain if we're doing something that is a discussion about, say, an acquisition, we'll do that in an executive session because I don't want to minute it. And what he meant was that he did not want that on the record. And so that, that's kind of an interesting insight. So for other governance practitioners outside the boardroom, recognizing these sessions are, are a necessary part of the inner workings of the board is critical. At the same time, and this is the reason we don't have a lot of academic research on them, they're off the record. And so they remain a relatively speaking black box to a degree. And so focusing on how you purposefully manage those things, whether it be scheduling them at the right time or when a critical issue arises, how you have the presiding director direct uh, and manage those things, as well as uh, who you involve in those sessions, whether it's with the CEO, with other pertinent members of the executive team, or only the board members becomes critical as well. So a second corporate governance best practice referenced in your paper is the practice of having a diverse board. So Professor Bovey, what are the implications of your research findings with respect to board diversity? Sure. I think that most of what our paper, the implications of our paper about diversity have to do with helping us better understand why it's so hard to get more diverse boards. So the directors we spoke with almost uniformly talk about that they want diverse boards, and yet it was also clear that directors are very nervous about appointing individuals to boards who haven't served on boards before or who are outside their personal networks. They really want their board service to feel positive and collegial, and they're worried that new directors from outside their social network or who don't have experience won't understand the norms of board service. They won't understand how to operate in a collegial way. And consequently, this makes current directors much less willing to appoint diverse director candidates because those tend to be the types of individuals who are not already sitting on boards or don't understand these situations. And so if we want to improve board diversity, we're going to have to figure out a way to alleviate the concerns of existing serving directors so that they are not worried about that these diverse candidates are going to upset the current situation or that they're going to make board service less appealing or less interesting. And, and so I think that's really the main implication of our research, especially with related to, to board diversity. 
That concludes our podcast episode. On behalf of the Council of Institutional Investors, I want to thank Professors Stephen Bovey and Michael C. Withers from the Department of Management at Texas A&M University and Professor Scott D. Graffin from the Department of Management at the University of Georgia. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please feel free to contact me at jeff, J-E-F-F, at C-I-I dot O-R-G. Until next time, I'm Jeff Mahoney. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Voice of Corporate Governance, brought to you by the Council of Institutional Investors. The Voice of Corporate Governance is a free, non-sponsored podcast that highlights critical developments in corporate governance and other important issues affecting institutional investors. The views expressed by those interviewed on the podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CII or its members. For more information on CII and its policies on corporate governance, please visit our website at www.cii.org.